the project. Kuwait. Learn. Dude, I don't even know what to say about this episode. Yeah. That was an eye-opener. Yeah. <laughs> about a lot of things that we're not even looking at yeah. as athletes, trainers, and so forth. Yeah, like strength and conditioning coaches, like anyone who basically doesn't know the difference between yoga and Pilates, this episode is for you. It's right? definitely for you, and it definitely raises awareness over an exercise modality that I think would be really beneficial to inject into any program that you're doing. Like, seek out information. In this episode, uh, Catherine drops a lot of knowledge bombs and gives some good resources towards the middle of the episode on different, you know, websites that you, people can follow. We're going to plug that into the show notes. But it was just like, yeah, I was floored <laughs> at the end of this episode. Yeah, some of the details and everything that Catherine gave us about how Pilates as a movement um, can actually help people's performance. Like just the average person to the performance driven athlete, like how Pilates can actually help doing that and a little bit of information on how to plug that into current training schedules, how best and, and what the actual effects are and benefits are of Pilates is yeah, the amount of information she gave <laughs> was making me speechless. I know, <laughs> right? right? We can't yeah. even do it justice yeah. with this intro, exactly. but seriously, guys, listen to this episode. And if you have any questions, feel free to DM us at the end of the episode and we can pass it on to Catherine. Everything will be in the show notes. So enjoy. Yeah, enjoy, guys. Thank you. All this and more in today's episode. So welcome, Catherine. Well, beautiful. So you are a Pilates instructor out of ARC. Yes. So we were literally just discussing that we have not been to ARC and we are rubbish at Pilates. <laughs> Horrible. Like, we're talking, <laughs> like as you just referred to, like pie and lattes. I think we're, 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 we're actually... pie and latte. <laughs> <laughs> like we're, we're more familiar with those type of things, but like obviously, like we kind of both like to think of ourselves as fairly athletic. But like we have a little bit more probably experience with yoga. But like perhaps you could tell us a little bit like about your background and a little bit about like maybe the differences between yoga and Pilates because I think a lot of people think they're very, very similar but don't really know how they're similar or how they're different. Yes, yes. So thanks for having me on the podcast. Firstly, it's very exciting to be here and be able to get some great information about Pilates out there. My background in terms of movement, I started doing ballet when I was nine and I danced for 10 years. I had an unfortunate accident when I was about 18, so I had to stop, went into aerobics, and then that kind of flowed through to gym training because of just human movement, just wanted to keep moving, keep wanted to stay fit and keep moving. That flowed through to eventually meeting some people in the competitive world and started talking about fitness figure and body shaping. Some of my old friends were bodybuilders and uh, encouraged me to start in that area. So went into fitness figure competing, not wanting to go into bodybuilding as body shaping as two completely different things. So bodybuilding is more about mass for people out there that don't know the difference. And body shaping is more about density, muscle density. So it's about building harder muscles, but it's more about the female form and the harder muscle rather than building on size and being awarded on that. So I liked that because it had such a great element of dance and performance about it. I could be back on stage. That's amazing, great fun, and also celebrate being fit and healthy and the discipline that went into that because ballet was, of course, really disciplined. And yeah, competed in fitness figure for three years, did five competitions, got third in my first one and won everything else after that. Super fun, very challenging. My two main challenges were my own mind and 
performance enhancing drugs. Actually. Oh wow! Yeah, wow, they okay. were the two the two main issues. Um, it was really funny actually when I first started. It was very just, interesting. Just not to cut you off, did you partake yeah. in performance enhancing drugs? Never, never, never. No, oh, wow. no, no. Wow. It was all around me though, and I had people going, "Go on, just do two mil or whatever." I mean, in the, body, is, but... the, the, the bodybuilding industry in general, it's about performance enhancing drugs. Like it's, it's, yeah. you're already, you're already like at such a disadvantage not being on gear versus, you know, anyone else out there. So true, true, besides true. Besides the yeah, genetic factors yeah, that come yeah, along yeah, with it. So yeah, I really enjoyed your previous, um, recordings on this too. And it stirred up a lot of old memories for me and old feelings about, about my time in that area. I personally chose not to, but, you know, no judgment. People do what they do and, and um, for whatever reason, and that's all valid. But I remember when I was starting to get ready for it, I was on a cross trainer in the gym just doing my thing. A random guy came up to me in the gym and just said, you know, what are you doing? You're getting ready for something or whatever. And uh said, yeah, I'm actually going to do a fitness figure competition. And he said, and I'll never forget it. I still have it in my eye so clearly that, you know, if you are going to win, you're going to have to take something synthetic to, to win, to help you win. And I didn't say anything because I didn't know this guy. And I'm just like, okay. And in my mind, though, I was like, yeah, watch me. Just watch me. And it was like the gauntlet had been thrown. It was like, I will beat this. I will win this if it's the last thing I do. And it became like a personal challenge, not just like a vendetta against someone, but more because I really wanted to prove to myself that I could beat the little voice in the back of my head saying, go on, eat the cake, eat the uh, whatever, cheat. Uh, don't train, you know, because there are definitely two voices yeah. when you're competing, yeah. when you're getting ready for something. And yeah, I did it. I took it as far as I could. But at the same time, I thought, okay, so this is what's happening. Okay, fine. I'm making the choice not to do that. But if and when I do come up against it and I lose to it, that's the end for me. That will be a sign. That's when I stop. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Wow. And I had people all around, even like, you know, Asking people that I was training with, it's like, God, oh, she's on something. She has, she has to be on something. Okay, she's winning and blah, blah. And I was like, she won't take it. She won't touch it, you know. And people asking, go on, just do like a little bit of uh, something and see how it affects you. But it was like, no, I'll uh, use nutrition or use food or use my mind or use my discipline to win this thing. And, and that's how I framed it. And I did well and I enjoyed it. That was the main thing. I wanted to enjoy the sport. I wanted to take it as far as I could without seeing... Uh, if I needed that, because it can be at the end of the day, it can be not how hard you train, but who has the best chemist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. We talked. We touched on that, and yeah. we 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 in our episodes, we we always kind of give and take. Sometimes he's for something, and I'm against it, yeah. and then we switch. Yeah. We have to play yeah. those roles because yeah. yeah. it's good research for for me and good research for him, so that we yeah. can flip around. Now, when you talk about the performance hand, enhancing size, how difficult <clears> was it? to do it all clean in terms of being on the regimented diet, having, you know, the prep week. Cause you know, a couple of weeks before you go into comp, it's, you know, the prep mm. phase, so mm. to speak, where, you know, you deload on sodium and everything so that you can reload mm. before the comp. Mm. Can you get into that a little mm. bit? I mean, yeah. I, these are just things that I can scratch on the surface. Mm. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, know, it's fascinating. I've, I've never yeah. competed in bodybuilding, but one of my friends <laughs> was like, yeah, you know, like the date, you know, the leading up to it, I, you know, decrease my sodium intake yes. so that when I get there, you know, the day before I'll increase my load on salt and sodium. So I blow up a little bit because I have more water retention. My muscle bellies look bigger. Mm -hmm. So can you get into that a little bit? I mean, just yeah. scratch the surface there. Sure. So with fitness figure, it basically, I think in bodybuilding and in fitness, the dieting phase is about 12 weeks rough. 
12 weeks minimum. Um, And for the last six weeks, I didn't see anything apart from fish and oats for breakfast if I was lucky. (laughs) I didn't want to eat tuna for such a long time after that. But, uh, yeah, fish, it was like deep sea orange raffi fish for six weeks. And in the last couple of days, no water. In the last 24 hours, hardly any water at all. Oh, wow. So the the space between the skin and the the muscle decreases so that you just literally don't have any fluid in your body. So that's why people have that like leather look to them when they're on stage? No, that to be honest, that's more the tanning lotion. All right, okay. Because I'm like, when I see these <laughs> yeah. guys, I'm like, that doesn't look appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to look like that. You that's know? the tanning like, lotion because the lights are really bad on you on stage and they make you look flat. So okay. if you don't have that tanning lotion to give the cut between the muscle definition, then you look flat. So ah, it makes okay. you look better with the tanning stuff on, yeah. All right, that's funny. Yeah, you when you're touch. walking around in a competition and you see like all the like people who are like abnormally tanned, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. in Greece for a few yeah. Like they're always in like super baggy, like better bodies clothing, <laughs> yeah. and like like super tanned, like and then like super white palms. Yeah, yeah so it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're if you're a guy and you make fun of guys that are you know rubbing tanning lotion on people, like other guys. Yeah, because I used to see these guys rubbing lo- tanning lotion on the other guy here. Oh, yeah. You see it all the time, of course. Yeah. But you go to one of these places, you go to one of these competitions, you're going to see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to say anything to these guys. You're going to say some stuff, man. The thing is, you can't touch yourself. Like, you can't put yeah. it on yourself because you just can't. I don't know, it's hard to explain, but the touch-ups at the back especially, yeah. Yeah. someone else has to do that. They're trying not, they're trying not to sweat at the same time so that it doesn't drip and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, that's, like, that's, that's such yeah. a process. That's yeah, such yeah. a process. So, so from bodybuilding, you know, moving on, how did you get into Pilates? And like what is Pilates for you know, most of the people that don't know what it is? Okay, so I don't know the difference to be no, honest. No, like, no, no problem. And and like m- the majority of the public wouldn't know, mainly because it's not the actual the specifics to what Pilates is is never advertised. It's never you, there's no real way of finding it unless you research. And it, even then, the internet can be very misleading. It depends where you look as to what information you're given and the how can I say the um, pr- precise nature of that because there are lots of different stories. And not all of them are completely accurate. So in terms of my own transition, body, gym has never been out of my life. I still love weights. I still love pushing things and pulling things and doing rows and picking up heavy weights. And I love it. It's something that I'll never stop doing. But I stopped competing when I, as I mentioned, and went into more fitness instruction. So I was teaching everything, yoga, aqua aerobics, uh, body pump, you name it. I was teaching it. It got to a point where I started teaching Pilates as well and realized that it's such a specific field, it's such a precise and um, in-depth field that I didn't want to keep spreading myself so thin on the ground with all these other modalities, teaching a bunch of things where I could and felt like I needed like a calling to just focus on Pilates and studio Pilates. So you have a mat Pilates, and then you have what's called studio Pilates, which involves all of the apparatus, or some people call them machines, but it's actually apparatus. Machine is like in the gym that does something to you, and apparatus is something that you make work for you. The best way of explaining that is the reformer, which is one of the most popular pieces of apparatus, had springs attached to it. And if you imagine lying on lying on a bench that moves, that slides up and down wheels, and you put your feet on a bar at the end and you push out and the springs open. So a lot of people perceive that to be the working phase, but actually the specifics and one of the main things that a lot of people don't understand about Pilates is, is that you're constantly working. So you push out and you're working, that's true, but you have to resist the spring closing on the way in. So you work the body 
in opposition. You work away and then you work as you resist the springs coming in too. So people who don't understand the reformer, for example, will lie on the reformer and they'll push out really hard, like slow and push, and then collapse in. So the spring pulls them in. They don't resist the spring closing. They don't work the spring. They let the spring control them. So one of my favorite sayings is don't, don't let the springs control you. You control the springs. That's another reason why you might not have been to ARCs. It's ladies only. Oh, okay. We're not going to pass that. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we, won't, we, won't, we won't pass that one. We need a male ARC. <laughs> I, I, I know, right? But I mean, it's, it's just to, just to bring this down to layman's terms for us, I'd say, for the, the functional people or CrossFitters or whatever, it's like if you're doing a pull-up, don't just let gravity take over. Actually lower yourself in the strict pull-up. Yeah, is true, that, true. Is that a good analogy yeah, like of say, it? Like, yeah, true. Like I've seen some people do pull-ups with their feet in a band. They yeah. have their feet in, a, feet in a stretchy band. So the same analogy from reformer could be used there. Like you're pulling up, you're using certain back muscles. On the way down, resisting lowering, you're also working muscles in okay. opposition. So you could work it that way. So yeah, like that a banded would be the best hall way of understanding too. it. <laughs> like a banded hall rock? I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking of all, it's all coming out right now. <laughs> I'm trying to relate the two so our listeners will get it. Because I guarantee you there's a lot of people listening to this show that are like me and Liam that don't yeah. have the background. So yeah, sorry, not to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. Um, so do you mind if I talk about what it is and what it is not? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well? definitely. Super. And also the past and the present. Like what's happened before and what's happened now, because it's quite relevant. Because you guys have gotten a bad rap for a while, right? Pilates got a little bit of a bad rap over the last, not over the, not a bad rap, but it just kind of got killed. It was really popular, I think, in mid two thousands from you know oh seven, and I'll get into that later when we get to athletes and Pilates, but. It was pretty popular for a while, and then it just kind of died down a little bit. So you, if you could get into that also, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that I've heard about that. It depends what country that was in. But as usual, I think some people, if again, if they're not sure of a, a fitness type, they it can be a trend. Like things can peak and people find it very trendy. Like you, you were saying earlier, yoga was trending for a long time, and yeah. now we've gone into a more Pilates sort of phase. If people are really interested in something and they understand it and it's meaningful in their life, they'll continue for forever. It's true, it's yeah, it's 100%. A, yeah. a trend and That's a definitely phase. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So Pilates started in 1902, actually. It's a, a system of corrective exercises, equally for the body, spirit, and mind. So a lot of people don't understand that it's actually for the physical body, but it also helps you concentrate better, focus a lot better. I have a joke with some of my girls where they'll be doing something really well. They'll be repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And suddenly they do something really random that wasn't what I asked them to do. And I'll be like, I'll shout out Caribbean, Bahamas, you know, because it's like they just went off somewhere. So because their focus wasn't in the moment, you know, and it does help you focus your mind on a single point of attention. Because if you don't, especially if you advance further in the, in the method, you can literally hurt yourself and fall off things because you stand on one leg, you're balancing, you're hanging upside down on the Cadillac, you know, so it can be potentially dangerous. It's a mental discipline, yeah, which is another reason why I think I, think I really liked it when I first got into it. So it wasn't called Pilates in the beginning. Joseph Pilates is a German gentleman that invented it, that he created it, and uh, he called it Contrology. In Oji, Latin in, in, in Latin, oggi means the study of. So you have, say, psychology, psychos means the mind, oggi, psychology, study of the mind. Yeah. Contrology, therefore, means the study of control. So everything Makes you sense. do, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like someone just made that word up. Yeah, it's, right. it's great. It's really makes I'm, sense. I'm sitting here. I'm listening to a lecture right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm like fully in depth. Like this is the most. Like, you'll never see me this quiet. By the way, yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope it's interesting to everyone. Oh no, it's, it's uh, great. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm definitely like, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I love controlology. That's a great word. That, that is. Yeah. 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 So we're gonna really use that. By the way, <laughs> you gotta give her credit, dude. So we're gonna use that. Word. Tag me. Tag me. I'm going to be like, actually, it's the study of control. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, if you can't control a movement in a class, if you're, say, in an advanced level class and you can't control the movement, then you shouldn't be doing that movement. You should be in a, a, low, a lower level class, basically, until you get the firm basic of understanding of how the positioning should be. Because it's quite um, specific in terms of rib placement when you're lying on your back, for example, where the ribs should be. A lot of people breathe up and down like this, and this is not how you breathe in Pilates. You breathe to the side, which takes a little bit to get hanging yeah, up. Yeah, I'm trying to do it. He's trying to do it. I'm like, wait, yeah, it takes ages. Like, oh, what? yeah. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, that's not happening for me. I got to come. You guys need to open up a men's studio. If there was a men's studio, I would definitely do Pilates once a week. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's, it is becoming a lot more popular. And I have a personal wait list. Every teacher, we have three teachers at the studio. Each teacher has a personal wait list that we can hardly ever tap into. And the studio has a wait list. So oh, wow. when we exhaust our own wait list, which never happens, uh, we can go to the studio and say, okay, I'm free at these times, but I'm booked out for the rest of this year. Oh, wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So. And it's, I'm not banging a personal drum. It's Pilates. I'm just a messenger. Oh, that's, really. a, that's awesome. It's, it's Pilates. So, all the business people out there, you know, if you guys want to tap into a new market, <laughs> open up a Pilates <laughs> studio. Yeah. Now's the time. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. If, yeah, if it's done properly. Wait, yeah. You, you want to do that? <laughs> that would be a good venture. Business ideas. I'm going to call it Controlology. <laughs> yeah. Please call it Controlology if you yeah. open it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Joseph Pilates is a man. He created it as a man for men. It was created as a man for men and he actually had some breathing issues as a child and so he created the exercises as breathing uh, exercises for himself as a teenager and then they evolved into physical exercises. He first started teaching groups of people at the Isle of Man in a prison of war camp. There were about 8,000 inmates in that camp and there was a time that something like a typhoid fever or something flew through the camp. And so many people got sick and out of the people he was teaching his exercises, no one got sick and no one died. Oh, wow. So this is actually documented as proof. It's not like me just making glorious things up. It's in Javier's book. There's one biography written about Joseph Pilates' life and this is all documented as fact. They've researched it, been researching it for years and created just one book on his life and this is all in there from documents and archives and such. So it's fascinating. So yeah, it started in prison of war camps in, uh, in Britain. Then he moved over to New York and started the studio in 1916. The Isle of Man internship was 1914. He started his New York studio in 1916 and mainly for um, artists and dancers. Yehudi Menuhin and his wife were amongst his students, Catherine Hepburn, Laurence Olivier, a lot of dancers because Broadway was just peaking at that time. So dance and the art scene was massive in New York at that time. So yeah, that's that's where it became huge and Pilates was like a religion uh, over there at that time. I learned from one of the elders, like an elder is someone who learned directly from Joe and I went and I've worked with him a few times now and he said to everyone, basically, you have to understand the culture of the time at that time. 
Pilates was not like it is now. Um, you know, Joe would be standing in the studio, the students would come in and they would know their exercises off by heart in order. And this is the difference between Contrology and other Pilates, which we'll get to a bit later, but there was a, a specific order that you did the exercises and all of his students would learn the order, just come in and just do their own, hardly talk to anyone, just come in, sit on a mat and start doing the exercises. And Joe would be standing in the corner watching Romana, his protege that took over when he passed away, or Clara, his, one of his wives, would be watching. And if someone was doing something really badly, they'd walk over and correct and then just walk off again. So it was very different now where it's very hands-on, very manipulative, like pushing people's bodies around and such. In, at that point, if he had privates, he was very hands-on, very hands-on. Okay. Yeah, like scary. <laughs> you see him on YouTube with people's backs and like going, get down, get down. And he's like pushing them down. It's like, you will stretch, you will stretch. Yeah, he's a very strong chap. Very oh, that's strong wicked. With that's, that's really interesting. So <laughs> now you touched on something that was, you know, I think that 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 leads into the next topic. You know, when you talk about dance and you talk about all these other things, what about sport? Because growing up, I, I was a huge baseball player, and one of my my the guys that I grew up watching, Jason Veritek, he was a catcher for the Red Sox. You know, he had a bunch of injuries, and then all of a sudden, he had a couple of years injury free. And they said, you know, what, what's, what, what are you doing, man? And he goes, Pilates. Yeah. You know, I did, I did Pilates yeah, with my yeah. wife and yeah. you know, I'm injury free. It's, you know, teaching me how to use my core more. It's teaching me how to breathe. It's teaching me how to do everything. Mm-hmm. And he was a catcher. Now a catcher's body gets beaten up. Yeah. He's taking that ball at such speed. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're, you're, you're down in a squat. You're mm. down in a squat for about two hours. I've done this my whole life. So my knees, I joke around. I'm like, yeah, my knees used to hurt going up two flights of stairs. Mm. And now I go up five flights. I just have no feeling anymore. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's when I first heard about Pilates. So how important is Pilates to sport? Or how could it translate into sport? Okay, sure. Because I think that's what most of the CrossFitters are thinking right now. Oh, you know? yeah, most of fitness athletes in general. Like, I think we're always looking for kind of different ways and different means for us to like take advantage more of our recovery to get more performance out of our, our like bang for buck from our workouts so like is is this something that you would suggest that people should be doing more of absolutely um basically because pilates is so much about posture so how you stand is how you land so how you stand how I your like posture is I'm in u- real I'm life i'm using that i'm using that with my <laughs> baseball <game>. yeah <laughs> How you stand, how your posture is, how the musculoskeletal system is positioned in space is how you do everything. So Pilates works muscles. It works all of the muscles of the body. And the role of the muscles in the body, apart from, you know, the the obvious focus that people have is very much aesthetics. Apart from that, their role, their their actual role is to keep the skeleton upright with a particular tension between all the bones evenly. So the skull is the heaviest bone in the body. Yeah. If you imagine the skeleton up with the skull pressing down on the spine with five curves in it, which are natural, the curves of the spine, if that spine is not upright in exactly the right place, and I'm just talking about the spine, nothing else. So if the head is compressing down, if the spine is not upright because people are slouching, you can imagine the, the dynamics that flow on from that in terms of injury and such, and then place it under demand and load, like sitting in a squat for two hours, without a strong core, without maybe knees that are supported with the adductors and abductor muscles either side of the knee joint because people say they have bad knees. It's like, don't attack the knee, man. It might be the muscles that are that attached to the yeah. knee, actually, yep. not the yep. joint itself. It's the muscles that it's, are attached. It's funny because once I started strengthening my legs, 
and doing it in different different ways. It was CrossFit, really, that got rid of my knee pain because Strength. there was so much. I was doing so much with my legs. Hey, you know, I started yeah. squatting twice a week. I started doing deadlifts. You know, I started doing a lot of things, step ups, things that you really don't do in your typical bro split or bodybuilding mm-hmm. training. So, and I can see that. I'm glad you touched on that because it's so true, and it's such a misconception here in Kuwait, especially. People, oh, I have bad knees. My knees are just bad, but what's around it? So, I mean, that's a, that's great that you're talking about the core and the muscle activation. And-, mm-hmm. and again, coming back to Pilates in terms of what it's working, it's all of the muscles. You have big muscle groups and you have smaller muscle groups. This, what's misunderstood about the small ones, I think, is that they support the growth and development of the larger muscle groups. So if we overlook those by not doing functional movements, if you just do big compound movements all the time, then the larger muscle groups are not supported in their development and growth. It has to be equal. You know, so yeah. That's why. That's why we hate accessory the support. Work. <laughs> yeah, like I can definitely speak to that because I've basically been doing accessory work for the last like four months, like <laughs> just constant accessory work. But because I was doing such, I was doing weightlifting for the whole of last year, and so I was doing a lot of compound movements every day, very few accessory movements. And I felt like probably the worst I've ever felt in my own body. Okay. Um, yeah. And now, like after doing a lot of accessory stuff, I'm realizing like my body's starting to work the way it's supposed to. I'm feeling like I'm much stronger in those compound movements where I wasn't mm. before. Much more flexible, much more mobile, and like I recover so much quicker. Super. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, yeah. and but it has come. Like I do a little bit of yoga, kind of like a couple of times a week. And I feel you do like, yoga. Yeah, man. I'd like to see that. Uh, <laughs> I never do it in front of anyone. Like, oh, come on, <laughs> I never see some moves. I, I, I would love <laughs> to see you doing yoga. Yeah, man. I, I just like just, just, see just that. some like, basic, like, like holding in, into positions. Stuff. Man, it's got none of your business where I wear it. <laughs> but like, I I found a real benefit from doing that. Like again, like what you were talking about from uh, the idea of like mental focus. Like, see. Even if we just simplify it massively from the fact that day to day we're taking in so much stimulus, like phones, laptops, yeah. like other people all the yeah. time. Like if I just sit there, I give myself 45 minutes to an hour and just like have my headphones on and just listen to like ever calming music. And I'm just sitting in a position for like sometimes five, six minutes. And I'll sometimes find some days it's like, Jesus, it's five, five minutes is going so long. <laughs> and then sometimes yeah. it's like, okay, change position. And I'm like, whoa, like that kind of, I was, I was completely in my own zone. And so then sometimes, yeah. well, all, all the time, whenever I do that before bed, I sleep so well. Mm-hmm. And so then I recover better. And so just by taking that 45 minutes to myself, like my brain relaxes, my body relaxes, and then I sleep well. And then the next day, training is fire. Like, it feels mm. absolutely fantastic. It's amazing, and isn't so, it, how it changes the whole color of your day just from doing that? Yeah. So yeah. having something that's kind of so directed, um, I think kind of the, the benefit of coming to, to someone like yourself who's like a professional in this is like actually it's not just kind of making sure you get the movements right, but actually making sure the experience and the aura is correct mm-hmm. as well so that people like go away from you feeling even better than when they came to you. Yeah. And so that's like for a sporting person, I think like, Rather than just seeing it as like, okay, this is for girls or this is hard, like, like it's harder than I want it to be or anything like that. It's like seeing, okay, this is going to help your recovery. And if you help your recovery, then when that time that you spend in the gym is going to be that much better. Like so it might even better. be 10 yeah. to 15% better. Mm-hmm. And if you add that percentage up every single time that you go into the gym, like, and you look at 10 to 15% better performance over the course of a year, that's significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how could it make me better? <laughs> He's thinking of recovery. I'm thinking of how can Pilates, if I injected a Pilates day or a Pilates workout once a week, I know you might be thinking once a week, that's not going to do anything. But 
For me, I mean, I stretch twice a week, and that does a lot for my body. <laughs> for someone that never stretched. But how, how could that give me an advantage in, say, CrossFit? I'm a CrossFitter. Well, I'm a, you know, I'd say I'm a CrossFitter. Am I a CrossFitter yet? <laughs> Don't put on me, is there man. a qualification? <laughs> the qualification is when, you train, you, when you train with a big guy like this. Like, have I earned the right to call myself? Man, you've, a you've competed now, man. So, like, I know. You, like, but how could yeah. I get? A, how could I get an advantage from doing Pilates? I know this question's a little bit of a curveball, but how can I get an advantage from doing Pilates? You know, if I inject that into my CrossFit routine. Okay, so there's there's two two parts to that answer. Firstly you will create a balance within any imbalance that you have because Pilates is for anyone. Yeah, you might say, or you know, some people say, oh, but it's only for healthy people because this, yeah, the movements are so strong or so intensive. But everyone has some sort of imbalance. Even if you've never been injured in your life, but you're always right-handed, if you go through life right-handed, you'll find that you're doing things with the right side all the time. That's 100%. going to create imbalance on the simplest level. Yep. Then also... If you're looking at that particular sport, so say, let's say tennis, someone right-handed is going to hit always a certain way, there's going to be a huge imbalance created within that. So how would you create a program, a Pilates program for someone like that in a private session? You would look at their sport, look at the way that they move, even go and watch that person in that sport, physically watch them, how they move, and you could create a program around what their deficits are, what's missing. So what are they overworking? What's okay. clearly underworking based on the anatomy that you're aware of as a Pilates teacher, and you would create a program like that. So there's yeah. no way I can get an appointment with you. <laughs> I've got a lot Not of for the next year, at least. Is there uh, anyone else? Uh, <laughs> I mean, so for, like, for functional fitness guys, like even like, mostly guys in the gym as well, like we're doing a lot of work like in just one plane of motion. So like we rarely doing twisting work or anything like that. And I can tell you, like, because I. It's one of the biggest knocks yeah. I have on CrossFit, is there's no, there's nothing the lateral, there's nothing rotational. Yeah. Whereas yeah. as a baseball player, you're twisting. First, yeah. If you're batting. I, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. You're, we were using, yeah. you know, a med ball into yeah. the wall. We were using ball slams. We mm. were using, you know, overhead tosses. We were shuffling mm. to either side. But going into CrossFit, everything's just like, you yeah. run straight. You yeah. do everything. In and so one this is point. where, like, accessory work really for, like, functional fitness and CrossFit, like, should be going is that actually, it's not just, okay, accessory work in that same plane of motion is actually your accessory work. Instead of doing Romanian deadlifts with a kettlebell or something, it might be going to a Pilates class. So like it's, you might get your lifting done and you might be done like that. And then okay, the second session is your Pilates mm. class. Are there any Pilates work? classes for guys? Like is there something, is there a resource for, for, for me? Or I for believe, guys like me. Yes. <laughs> I can really forget. You sold me on Pilates, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm like, all right, this might be my new thing. Like, <laughs> like my new I don't advantage. care about the listeners right now. What can you do for I, me? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you our listeners, because we have a lot of competitive athletes that listen to the yeah, show, we too. Do, yeah. We have a lot of competitive athletes. So I'm sure they're thinking the same exact thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I'm thinking, like, how can I do more as well? <laughs> yeah, like well, what, what resources? Because you can't really just trust the online stuff. Yeah, you know, with you all due respect, you, cannot, you can't just trust online. Don't look at Pinterest. Right. <laughs> or Instagram. No, well, it depends who's doing it. It, it really depends who's yeah. doing it. 
I know you're a fan of Fauzia. Fauzia are doing men's uh, oh, they Pilates. Are. They are. They are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. It's clinical Pilates. Okay. So it would be suited to the exact needs of that person. So oh, there you awesome. go. Awesome. <laughs> you you yeah. have needs. You definitely have needs, man. So I, can, <laughs> I can tell you you have some needs. Man, one of these days, dude. One of these days. <laughs> but um, sorry, yeah. Go, we, we, no we, we tend to go off topic sometimes. No, what? you know each other very well. No, we don't. It's going to happen. <laughs> And it's, it's, I mean, it's just such an interesting topic, I think, for both it of us. It is fascinating. And there are so yeah. many questions that I have popping up. But yeah, sorry, if you could go back to, you know, how it will translate in sports. You said it will correct imbalances. Mm-hmm. So if I'm squatting, for instance, 350, you know, like my max is 350 or 320 or 300. If I incorporate Pilates, it, there's there's definitely a likelihood I can increase my squat. I can increase, increase my uh, 1RM, right? I mean, theoretically speaking? Yeah, theoretically speaking, because there's probably something that you're not working that you can strengthen in Pilates. Okay, all right. That will help you support those big muscles, yeah. But that would be an interesting thing to do a study on and research on, like to actually take some athletes and do that with and do a a, a vigorous study with them. Give me some of your time and I'll do that. (laughs) (laughs) You can can run the study on me. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to sell myself as a client. I was like, I was like, was shameless. I was like, oh, so you want to do something? Okay, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so what are, now, <laughs> now, what would some of the misconceptions be when it comes to Pilates? Okay. We had said, it's all, some people say it's only for girls or it's yeah. only for females. I don't like yeah. using uh, that terminology, but it's only for females. Yeah. What are some of the other misconceptions that are out there? Okay. So one of them that we've, we've touched on was it's only for healthy, strong people. This is for all people. And we have teenagers at ARC. We've had a teenage program before, pre-postnatal, injured, especially Falzia. We I work with a lot of the patients from Falzia and young, old, male, female. I have had in the past, for example, some people might say, you know, I'm too old for that sort of thing. It's a very common excuse for it, isn't it? to stop exercise. But one of my previous clients came in because her son bought her a package. She didn't know what Pilates was. She didn't know why she was there. She didn't know me. She didn't have a clue about any of it or even why, if she's going to stay. And so I said, okay, so you don't know why you're here. You don't know anything about it. But if you had a physical objective in life from your body, one thing that you'd like to improve, what would it be? And uh, she thought about it for a while and said, okay, well, sometimes when I pray, when I kneel down, I can't sit for more than like 30 seconds to a minute because my knees really hurt me. So I'd like to be able to sit for a longer period. You know? So she stayed with me, kept practicing and uh, became more interested in it as time went on and she saw some strength improve and a bit of more flexibility. But one day in the middle of a session, she stopped me. She said, stop, stop, I have to tell you something. The other day I went to pray. I sat for three minutes and I didn't even realize that I was sat there for that long. I looked at my watch and I couldn't believe that I was still sitting there. You know, so not super, super young. And there's no reason why people can't start late. I've heard of people starting bodybuilding at 93 years old and they change the shape of their body. There's no reason not to start exercise at any time. I mean, my my aunt, she started and she's, you know, she's she's an older woman. I'm not going to say her age, she'll kill me. But she's an older woman and she just started Pilates. And from what she's been telling me is her neck, she's battled with neck pain for years. And she's been to acupuncturists, uh, Reiki, all, you name it, she's done it mm. for her neck. But she has said Pilates has really helped mm. her neck pain. Mm. I think it's her neck pain or like upper it back. It is neck. Yeah, neck, neck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She started doing private sessions with me as well, which has really escalated her progress. It's really fast-tracked it because 
that individual gets individual attention, and I mean attention. You're in there manipulating their bodies, and and I'm quite strict. I teach how I would like to be taught. I'm results focused, and I push people quite hard. And amazing, amazing results. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's, so that's... age is not a thing. <laughs> it's never yeah. a thing. To be honest with you, no. it really isn't. Oh. People always. <laughs> Sorry, man. He's only, okay. he's only laughing. So how, how many episodes have we, have we done? Like, are, we on, are we on 30 right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're almost on 30. Every single other episode, <laughs> Marty has brought up how old he is. Because I use it to my advantage. I love and, playing the underdog. And, and I, use it, I use it to my advantage, right? Can Lis- be. Listeners I, yeah. will know right now. Listen, how many times yeah, Marty brings up his age. No one call me out on that. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he it's did so nothing. useful. Play the age card <laughs> whenever you need it. But because yeah. I always use it like, you know, wait until you're 35. Wait until you're my age. Because my body is so much different from when I was 32, when I was 29. Hell, when I was 30, 34, like over the last year, my body's changed so much and it's, I have to adapt to it yeah, and I have to sure. change things. So I don't think any, I mean, I picked up CrossFit and I was 35 years old. Yeah. You know, literally it was the day after my birthday. I was like, I want to do CrossFit. You know, people were saying you're too old, whatever. That for me is my drive. And you've done bar muscle ups? Yeah. 35, yeah. first time? Walking my hands, all that, that fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. I can pull some parlor tricks. See, See now, man, I don't think ages, you can't, you can't use it. I can't use it. Yeah. Can't use it anymore. Like Catherine just said, like, you can't use, it's an excuse. She just said it was an excuse. Age, smage. Yeah, exactly. Age, smage. Moving away from the age. Moving away from the age. So if you, okay. were, if you were to build the perfect program for an athlete, giving your background, Okay, because you've you've dabbled in a lot of different things. If you were to build the perfect program, and we're saying if you were to do like two days functional or whatever, how would you build it? What would your structure be while injecting Pilates and whatever mm-hmm. other modality you think would be beneficial to, I would say, the average person and a competitive athlete? Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, I'm throwing a throwing it's, a a very heavy handed question out. It's no, it's all good. Right. It's it's very simple. Um and for an athlete and the average non athlete person, I would keep it the same. I would say Pilates. Yep. Cardio, yoga or stretching regularly at least. And functional exercises not necessarily in the gym that mimic the movements that they do in their sport. Okay. To help them do them more effectively. So a CrossFitter, so basically a CrossFitter, keep doing what you're doing. How often would they have to inject Pilates to see some beneficial results? Hmm. Like Usually it, three sessions a week. Three sessions three a week. week. Now, yeah. would they do that post-workout? Because, I mean, you have seven days a week. So most CrossFitters do five days a week of training, Yeah, right? Five days a week. I typically do like four days a week of training. Just but like for someone, I guess, like who's trying to reach peak performance, they're probably looking at five days of hard work. And one active rest, one full rest day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something usually. Yeah, like sounds good. Yeah. So if they're, if they're doing that, would you recommend doing the Pilates before your, before your workout or after post workout? More of a stretch period type of deal. So Neither. How would they, how would they build it into the program? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it in the same day. Okay. Because it's going to be so challenging. It's best to rest after. All right. So if I'm a yeah. CrossFitter and I say, okay, can I do it one day a week? Will I see benefit from it? Mm. Yeah, you can, and you'll still, you will, in my experience, you will still progress, but the progress will be so much slower. And again, in my experience, people become frustrated with that. They feel that they're not progressing. Okay. Injuries can also reoccur if it's done that infrequently. Sure. When people used to go and see Joe, 
physicians as a brand newbie and they would say, okay, I really enjoyed that first session. It was amazing. What shall I do? And he said, come back to see me three times a week and he'd just walk off. Three okay. times a week was the magic number. I have some clients that I see five times a week and they're like rockets. Because if, you say, if you say yeah. to a CrossFitter, you're like, yeah, you need to do Pilates three times a week, they're going to be like, all right, well, when can I do my, my, my weightlifting? When can I yeah, do yeah, you know, yeah. this? When can I do that? Because they're two. still competing. You get by on two. So is that three something is like uh, it would one... Would that qualify as like an active rest day? You could you get away with it as being that, or is it kind of too strength orientated like, mm. for, for, for it to be active rest? It can also depend on how they do it in terms of if it's a private or if it's a class. If it's a group class, it may be a little more fitness based. Like we have five reformers, our maximum capacity in reformer classes is five people. So it's a, what we call a, like a blanket class. So the same exercises are taught to everyone, and if someone has some special issue. You can't really stay with them for the whole class and look after them. They're best doing a private. So if that athlete is after a specific progression for their sport, for CrossFit or such, you would suggest a private session and you would talk to them about exactly what they need and tailor the program around that to tweak to be exactly what they need to complement what they're already doing. And then maybe they don't need to do so yeah. many classes, you know, maybe yeah. two privates would still be fine. So here's what might sound like a stupid question, <laughs> but I'm going to ask it anyways. Now he's he's bracing for it. Now I can't wait for this. I know, right? <laughs> it's internalized. He's looking very calm. Now, it's all internal. Now say I'm doing my program and I wanted to interject like a couple of Pilates exercises into my workout routine for certain days when I'm doing it, so I could do kind of like accessory work. Could I do that? Is that possible? Like, is it is it something that is doing? Because I know nothing about Pilates. I'm just trying okay. to ask the questions that someone listening to this might have in the back of their head. Like how to start? How to no, not so how to get, start. I guess like, so you're trying to say like if you're in the gym and you're kind of doing the, your workout. You're, I'm doing my workout. And then, like I'll and then, have my strength part. Yeah, then, then you have the your accessory, accessory work. Is, I'm trying, I think if I, can, if I can translate, translate it. it. <laughs> if I get it right. If I get it right. This is um, how he, he knows me well. <laughs> <laughs> if I get it right. Just tell me if I don't. But like is there something that you could suggest that maybe like uh, people who have never tried Pilates before like, is there some maybe some movements or some kind of exercises that you could suggest that they would do, like in their gym by themselves, that they're able to do without too much kind of, um, like, uh, I guess, adjusting by a trainer sure, or something like that? Absolutely. Is there anything like that that you could suggest that yes. people would get into it a little bit? Yes, is that absolutely. Right? Is that right? so, that, that's it. <laughs> Athletes are always seeking a competitive advantage, and if mm. I could interject like some Pilates exercises so mm. and see an find, advantage yeah. from that, I would. I would definitely do it because. Yeah. There are a lot of pro athletes that use it to their advantage. So that's that's where the question is, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You can say if you came in for a private session and you had your chat with the teacher and they sorted out what your program needed to comprise of and what was the most pressing, maybe five exercises, you would teach them that. I like to take a picture of my clients doing the exercise, sometimes a video with me with like a voiceover telling them what to do so they can get their headphones in or what have you and they can actually hear me. And practice that a few times and then you don't need to listen anymore and watch. You know it and you remember it and you go away and you do that for yourself. Absolutely. It's very easy. Okay. Simples. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Like homework. You know? Yeah. No, that's yeah. amazing. <clears throat> now, are there any good applications you could recommend? Like apps? Are there some good apps? Because yeah. there are some really bad apps <laughs> yeah. in terms of like you know, workouts in general. And there are some really good ones. So are yeah. there any good ones that you could recommend mm. for people? Apps, not aware of, but websites. There are two. Pilat okay. Pilatesology is All one right. of them. And Pilates Anytime All right, is great. a we'll put well, that in our well named notes. one. Yeah. Pilates Anytime and Pilatesology, I believe they have, I think they have a free 30 day trial or something. You can try it. Okay. 
one at least one of them does, but they have excellent teaching, really great teachers on there. And not all Pilates teachers and not all Pilates teacher training is created equal. That's for sure. You can go and be certified as a Pilates teacher in a weekend, but <laughs> literally, but this the base level hour uh, of uh, teacher training should be 450 hours base level. And a lot of people are doing a lot more than that. And indeed, you, I think most teachers see themselves as an ongoing student. You never stop learning. And indeed, Jay Grimes, who's one of uh, Joe Pilates' last students around, still calls himself a student and he's 73 years old. So he says he's still learning. So, you know, I don't stop learning. I'm going off to conventions and conferences and learning from amazing teachers every year. It doesn't stop. It's it's a very rich field, a very in-depth and rich field. So, yeah, they're not all created equal. Those two websites are the best apps I can't recommend. Okay. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll definitely include them into the show notes. I mean, just so people can have more resources because it's it, it is limited in Kuwait, I would say, you know, and since we started doing the Project Kuwait, part of what we really want to do is introduce some of these different modalities that are forgotten of or not talked about that there are some serious benefits to. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of people that I talk, they're like, Pilates, what? You know, or, you know, yoga or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, we're trying to provide people like you, experts in the field that can provide the right knowledge and the right resources so that they can incorporate this stuff into their training and, you know, just have a healthier, you know, fitter life, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to check out those websites. I think, have a little look. Like, you might we're see, doing might see, might see, <laughs> see us in the gym. Yeah, we're doing, you don't we're need doing anything. They're so useful. You don't need yeah. anything at home, just a mat and some space to spread out. That's it. You don't need Do any. It. I know that it's something like, that I need to try so I can see if it's something that I need to be recommending to more of my athletes. Like, because I guess as a coach um, and for the coaches out there, it's kind of taking all of the tools and resources that we possibly can. And it's not just going, okay, I believe in this because it works for me, but it might be then identifying what someone else needs and what the athlete needs. And actually there may be some of my athletes who could benefit a lot from mm. maybe taking off the CrossFit or taking off like the weightlifting a couple of times a week and going to Pilates instead to make those three or two other sessions in a week even more beneficial to them. And so like, it's definitely something that I'm going to try. I'm really looking forward to it. 100%. Like, I'm, I'm definitely down for it. I mean, my, my coach already tells me, he's like, don't waste your time trying to get extra movement in with you know push-ups or whatever. Because yeah. I sit behind a desk all day. He was like, use your time wisely and stretch. You know, get those muscles activated yeah. a little bit more. And, you know, it's something mm-hmm. that I've, I've kind of like when we, when, when Haya and my aunt, everyone brought up, brought up the idea of doing a Pilates episode. I was stoked because like, yes, it's <laughs> so true. And I totally forgot about it. You know, yeah. so I mean, it's, it's <laughs> definitely awesome. Now, a couple of the last questions that we had was one of them was you've seen it all, so to speak. You've been in a lot of different parts of the fitness industry. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen over the past few years in the fitness industry? What are some of the changes that you've seen you know, okay. coming from different backgrounds? Yeah, yeah. So I call myself an old school aerobic instructor because we used to do high impact aerobics and I have seen a lot, I think, in the time that I've been teaching. I think the biggest change has been two things, the pre-choreographed group classes to music. So before it used to be you get your own music. There was no license, licensing uh, issues with, uh, we had a, there was a fight between the fitness industry and the music industry for about five years because the music industry was saying that the royalties weren't paid enough for public broadcasting of fitness classes. The royalties need to be paid more to the artists. Finally, uh, that was resolved, but now we have pre-choreographed group classes are 
made up, given to you on paper. So the movements are all there. The music is given to you. It's all licensed. You're told the music to play, what to say, what to teach exactly on that beat of that music. That's what you have to be doing. What to wear. And that's been a shift over 15 years or so. So yeah, that's that's huge because you used to make up your own stuff, get your own music, make up your own movements, like a kind of dance class, but fitness, get hand weights if you want, use stretchy bands if you want. Now it's a lot more regulated in some areas. So that's probably the biggest Decrease in freestyle. Yeah, Yeah, it's big money. It's big money. It is Um, the Zumba classes and the you know the PX ninety and all this stuff. So you know, in reality, I mean, you're right. Like it's probably it probably must have been a lot more fun back when you get to be creative with it. It was a lot of fun. It's it's very different. But I always try and reframe and look at things from both sides. Within the pre pre choreographed concept, you also have the freedom not to have to think. Fair point. You just present it. And the other upside to that is that people know what to expect in a class like that. And I'm talking about the, especially Les Mills group. So you have body pump, body attack, body combat, body vibe, body everything, RPM, which is their indoor spinning class as well. People know what to expect from that class and they can look at their progression. They can judge their progress better because they remember last time they did that class, exactly how that felt on that track, track three, they were a lot weaker this week, I'm using heavier weights. Oh, this is good. I'm progressing. So it's a lot more measurable. I think it's people like to be able to measure their progress in some way. And it's a way you can personally measure your progress through feeling of what you did last time. You know, so that's useful. The other, the other major change is virtual classes. So there's no teacher at all. Mm-hmm. There's a big screen on the, the wall and they superimpose the, uh, project the class onto the wall and say in an RPM spin class, everyone's on the bikes with a screen, with a virtual teacher talking to them and they just do a class with an instructor there. It's very challenging for me to consider this concept because there's no one correcting. Yeah. Who's correcting yeah. technique? This is the biggest thing. So it's I, I very per- debatable. Personally, I think it's going to flop. Personally, I honestly think the virtual thing, I, yeah. I think it's really, people are going to get into it and then I think like everything in the fitness industry, it's going to start to decline and we're going to go back to, the old ways, you know, a, a fitness instructor, you know, personal trainer. I think having that one-on-one, that that mm. friendship that's built up out of it. True, there's a yeah. lot. You've said it, it a million is, times yeah. where, you know, you have clients. Sometimes it's a therapy session because you just form that relationship with mm-hmm. them. But you're working it, with their body. Exactly. And it's connected to your mind. Yep. Isn't it ultimately? So, yeah. So, yeah, no, I think therapy. I think that stuff's definitely going to flop. And mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a big fan of classes, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Like some of the, the boot camp and the Zumba and all that stuff, PX90 or P90X or whatever it's called. <laughs> 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 Liam's like, here we go again. <laughs> We're not going to see you in a Zumba class then? No. I would try it <laughs> just because I think it's good to try everything. Like you said, everyone has to keep learning, you know, and I can't really just shoot it down. But I think when you have cookie cutter programs, it's, and that's Liam's words, the cookie cutter thing. I get that yeah. from you. When you have cookie cutter programs, you know, it's, it's not built for you. It's not made that's just it. for your yeah, body. That's right. It's made yeah. for the masses and we're all completely different. So, mm. I mean, speaking of that, what do you think of social media and its influences on body image? Yeah. Amazing question. Amazing question. Firstly, like it depends on the individual's perception of whatever is being represented. So if someone's looking at I don't know, super fit people doing super flexible, super fit things and comparing themselves to that, comparison is the thief of joy. So if people choose to observe social media representations and then feel bad about themselves, then that's a shame. So I don't actually have any real judgment or thoughts on it because I do think that it's how the individual perceives 
what's being represented. And if they decide, if they choose to be affected by that, because we choose our thoughts, we choose our feelings. No one forces us to feel anything or think anything. We choose all that. So it's down to the individual how they react to it and how much, indeed, how much time they spend on it. I actually have a digital detox most Fridays. I turn my phone off because it's like too much, too much all the time in the phone, on the phone. I mean, it's useful for business and such, but I don't really, uh, quite often don't go into Instagram a lot. So my friend's like, did you you. see that thing that I did? (laughs) Sorry, no, I'm not in it. I'm just not watching it. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. It's turning turning into like a thing like, oh, you didn't see my Instagram? What what do you mean? You're not following me on Instagram? Like people are like, they get get mad if I don't like their pictures. I really don't like that many pictures. You know, sometimes I'll just scroll through and just hit like, like, like without even without even looking at it, just so I don't have to hear the backlash from some of these guys. And you know what? I'm really bad. I, I don't like anyone's photos. You really I, don't. I, I just look. You don't even like my, my photos. That's I probably the look. best way. Yeah. You don't upset anybody. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I, that's the thing, because I was like, I didn't want to... Yeah, like, but he, things, like, like, he upsets people. me all the time. I like his pictures. Yeah. You know <laughs> what? If he's never there, how can he upset you? You know, no, I, you know what I've tried to do? I've tried to do more of is actually commenting, because like, like because social media is so impersonal sometimes, like actually I've tried to actually comment something that I feel like like is productive to that photo. Like if I genuinely like it, rather than just going, okay, like, like I actually go, hey Say man, something. like this is really cool. Yeah. Like I actually really like the way you did this or like actually I just want like just something to let them know that actually I've seen it and I've personally been touched by it and it affected, like I stopped for a second and went, hey, I like that. Rather than just going, yeah, like, yeah, that's another person who I'm supposed to like. Yeah. yeah. Um, so actually I found that that's like a little bit more personal. I've literally just started to do that this week because I've actually thought like I, I want to kind of show because I, I guess I, I want to show people that like I'm seeing what they're doing and actually like I appreciate it because like a lot of people don't say that enough to people. Like, there's like you might get 500 likes on a photo yeah. but like you don't know whether someone actually like really likes that or whether yeah, they're just trying to, to show you that. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that so that sense, yeah, how do you right. respond to that? Right. That's yeah. the thing. Like if people actually get validation, like actual validation of themselves there really are by people seeing like that, that many yeah. likes, yeah. then... Well, yeah. what, what, what I really like appreciate is when someone messages me and says, hey, like I saw what you did and I just wanted to let you know that like that affected my day or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Or like that helped me yeah, do, yeah, that yeah, helped yeah, me do this you, or yeah. that helped me do that. Yeah. And like that's is worth like a thousand likes for me like it yeah really, no it makes sense if i like, yeah i really couldn't care how many likes to get on a photo it's literally just like if i get a dm that says yeah that, that was that was really cool or hey i went and went to the gym and crushed it just because i saw that photo or video that you told me or i changed my technique because of the video you that's showed cool, me like yeah. stuff like that that's, yeah. that's cool. you, you influence someone in a good way yeah. which brings me to influences you know you influence someone in a good way whereas influencing is an interesting term on online isn't it it's like that person's an influencer. It's like, okay, what exactly are they doing to influence someone to do something or think or, or be a certain way? Like I'm thinking about people like Gandhi or, you know, these people. Dalai Lama influences yeah. me. Malcolm X. I mean, you, you could go down. Nelson yeah. Mandela, you could go down. Right. The list. These are influencers. Right. These are guys that That's impact an your life. Yeah, that would influence yeah, me. Yeah, but how's it go on yeah. Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> So, I think Nelson Mandela, maybe, dude. Uh, I mean, towards the tail end of his life, he had an Instagram man, account. But you know, that's like, all I'm bothered about. But that's that's the sad thing. We were talking about that earlier. Like when I was younger, it'd be like you want to you want information. You go to the library. You seek that information mm, out. Yeah. You hear about the book. You read the book. Now it's like, oh, I'm just going to go on Instagram and I'll check it out, dude. What happened to Google? That's not that's <laughs> not know? all that's available. Yeah, for sure. You, you know, and it's yeah. just right now we're just yeah. so engulfed with this social media in our mm-hmm. life. 
that I think it's, it's stripping away some of the educational values that we had. And I mean, that, that's a whole different episode. Isn't we, it? Yeah. We'll bring you back for that one. <laughs> like we should I'm have in- you. Oh, all right. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. I love a good debate. That is great. Then let's, let's save that. Let's definitely say that. We won't debate. We'll probably agree on everything. <laughs> we probably will agree on everything. But, um, I mean, this has been an amazing, amazing episode. I think you've done Pilates so much justice in terms of explaining it to the general masses. And it's probably one of, I'd say, definitely one of the top episodes on, in my book, just oh, because I've so learned much. so much from it. Do you think that I've given enough information on it? It's like it answered your questions. It, it, felt, it felt like I was listening to a lecture. It uh, felt like I was sitting in a classroom, to oh, be honest so with you. Oh, it's not so boring, though, is it? Does it sound boring? No, not in a, in a good way, in a good way. Really, oh, good. It's yeah. not in a boring way. It's in a really good way. Like, I was very entranced by the knowledge that was being passed on and some of the stuff that, you know, I think I'm well-adversed in the fitness field and I didn't know a lot of this stuff, dude. You know, yeah, no, like, it's a big hole. It's in enlightening. And, and a lot of people, like, in the strength and conditioning side, it's a massive hole in that, like, our knowledge. Yeah. And, like, I definitely cast myself more as, like, a strength and conditioning coach, even more than a personal trainer or something like that. And actually, like, I think that's a, something that mass, is massively missed. And we're constantly talking about sports-specific stuff. How can we get better at sport? How can we increase our performance? How can we lead a better lifestyle? And actually, like, we've never thought of Pilates as something that might plug some of those holes or help us to achieve any of those things. So, like, it's actually, mm-hmm. that's, we be that, that's, that's exactly what this episode has done for us, yeah. I think. And yeah. so we definitely want to try it out. And it's, Super. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, well, in everyone's defense, like, if you don't, if it's not advertised properly, if the information's not out there, readily available, and it's, it's really, um, we are a victim to media uh, in it's a true. big way in terms of media representation. So quite often, and it's a real issue in the Pilates industry, is how Pilates is represented in terms of pictures. So there'll be a Pilates article, but there's a yoga picture. So you get this other misconception, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I have a list of misconceptions. I don't really want to list them all. It's probably very boring. But people look at a yoga picture and they think that Pilates is like that. So you have people come to class and say, oh, I've done yoga. I'm like advanced yoga. So I'm really going to be really good at this, right? And I'm like, I'll let you know. <laughs> because you could be the yoga queen, but you can't connect to a Pilates powerhouse breathing method. It's a completely different practice. Yoga is about philosophy, breathing through the nose, relaxing. Don't think anything. Don't concentrate. Let go, let go, let go. Pilates is latch on, think, be present, be here, breathe completely differently in through the nose, out through the mouth, press the air out. Don't breathe it softly. You know, so it's completely different. Every time feel. you talk about something, I like say, oh, yeah, like, can I do that? Yeah. <laughs> out through the mouth, Liam. Out through the Darth mouth. Vader. We got Darth Vader mouth. over here. Yeah. <laughs> May the force be with you, Liam. Right? Thank you. Thank training. you so much for this episode. My pleasure. Yeah. I hope it's been it enough. Was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Done. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at the Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.